Since March 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been developing content monthly, weekly, and daily for the business of pharmacy. With more than 25 different podcast channels, more than 1 million downloads, and 30-plus participating pharmacists, the Pharmacy Podcast Network is the global leader in podcasting for the pharmacy professional. Find all of our podcast channels by going to pharmacypodcast.com forward slash shows. Hey, before you listen to the latest episode on the PBM Reform podcast series, please take a look at the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack. They've been a great sponsor of the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. In July, all Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Packs are 20% off. This discount can be found through your preferred wholesaler's website. There may be some restrictions involved, but let's give the Pen Needle UltiGuard Safe Pack a a thank you for being a sponsor of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This includes 100 premium pen needles and a sharps container all in one. We see consistently higher revenues and higher margins with community pharmacies that are purchasing the pen needle UltiGuard Safe Pack. Check it out at ultiguardsafepack.com forward slash podcast. That's ultiguardsafepack.com forward slash podcast. Pharmacy benefit managers, better known as PBMs, are responsible for negotiating payment rates for a large share of prescription drugs distributed in the United States. Recently, state Medicaid systems, policymakers, and national pharmacy associations have expressed concern that certain PBMs' business practices may not be consistent with public policy goals to improve the value of pharmaceutical spending. This podcast series is all about PBM reform. Listen to the discussions, share these podcasts, and help build a new pharmacy payer system which supports our independent community pharmacies, encourages fair and transparent competition in the marketplace, and most importantly, is designed to deliver the best patient care. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, this is Todd Gray, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast, excited about today, returning to the PBM Reform Podcast series. If you want to find the other eight episodes, part of this nine-part series, please go to Google, put in PBM Reform Podcast It comes right up. We've been very uh, lucky and blessed to have uh, experts in the inside of what is PBM reform, helping us to define and understand what must happen to truly uh, state by state and then nationwide uh, achieve a different payment model for uh, pharmacists, not only in community independent pharmacy, but also health system pharmacy, specialty compounding, long-term care. This affects everyone. This affects pharmacy students. If you're a pharmacy student right now and you don't think the way that PBMs act right now in our, um, in our healthcare system in the United States, um, you will be surprised. So I encourage you once again, Ann Cassidy, Vice President of the Federal State Government Affairs, kicked off this series with us in December of 2019 on our latest episode was with special guest Jackie Toledo, Florida State House Representative of the 60th District and PUT President, Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, President Scott Newman, really had some interesting insights. Today is our ninth ninth installment, and I would like to welcome Howard Danzig to the program. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast, Howard. Well, thank you, Todd. It's uh, nice to join you, and um, looking forward to sharing what information uh, we we have available to us. Well, something that you and I have talked about off a line uh, together is the evolution of how healthcare is going to be paid for 
in the transformation of where it was in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and where it is today. And you have spearheaded this and, and have changed the game for many employers throughout the country based on what you're doing. So I want you to explain to our listeners and to uh, those uh, pharmacy owners who are, who are with us today uh, tuned into this podcast, what is ECCHIC? And then give us a little bit of background on, on you, yourself, Howard, and why you're so passionate about this. Uh, well, first of all, myself, uh, I'm a, a former employer. I had been in a family business for a number of years. And uh, I had to buy health insurance plans over the years uh, for our administrative and management people uh, with our hourly people being uh, uh, union. The thing that got me angry was I could not find out what my actual costs of services used were uh, relative to the premiums we were being forced to be uh, uh, charged to buy it with. And my background's accounting and cost management and cost analysis. And the thing that uh, nobody was, was offering me is showing me this is what uh, you're using, this is the cost, and this is the premium you're being charged to buy it with. So when we evolved to the copay culture from major medical insurance, where we pay copays for drugs and copays for, uh, for uh, medical, um, basically that's not insurance, that's just funding and uh, buying uh, services through these middlemen. So <clears throat> I have uh, found that if I could remove the middlemen, like large employers did at that time for myself, uh, I reduced our costs dramatically. And using the original premium that we were paying at the time that I changed the way we were doing things and using the insurance system, pharmacy and medical system by cutting out middlemen, I found that if I set my budget equal to the premium that I was paying at the time, I didn't have to increase that budget uh, for, at that time, it was almost six years. So I decided to try and do it for employers and found that uh, it's very hard to get employers to listen to me at that time, but I knew we were right. So <clears throat> uh, I uh, got together with uh, some uh, uh, specialists and, and uh uh, people with expertise in the pharmacy, medical, and insurance field, uh, and, the ad and the administrative field, and created a team so that we could show small and medium-sized employers how to unbundle what is buried in premium. And there's only two parts of a premium that are really uh, 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 fixed costs that are getting value for the policyholder. That's the actual cost of insurance that protects against the unforeseen event and the administrative cost that you have to pay somebody to handle the paperwork. But for basic health care and particularly pharmacy, and that's what we're going to focus in on, pharmacy is probably the easiest thing to solve. And, uh, you know, if, you know, uh, the combination of a willing uh, pharmacy owner, an independent, and a willing employer who is looking for a solution, to be able to sh be shown how to use the insurance system, and there are resources available where they can cut out the middleman, meaning the PBM, the actual cost of service that that employer realizes by working direct with the, uh, with the pharmacy uh, drops markedly. And uh, the, uh, the pharmacy can set a price that gives them a better profit margin than they had. The employer pays a price 
that's substantially less than what the PBM had been charging their plan, and the employee is incented to use as a preferred provider a uh, their local pharmacy. The business is locked into the pharmacy, and it stays in the in, in the community. And what people don't realize is that the actual utilization of pharmacy uh, services in any plan is essentially a fixed expense in that it's almost all maintenance. So, you know, t take the case of uh, a diabetic. Uh, and I use a diabetic as an example all the time. You don't need an actuary to determine if a diabetic is going to have certain needs for certain, uh, for certain drugs. What you need, meaning as an employer, is a pharmacy professional to be able to uh, uh, help you access whatever is necessary to meet that need that's uh, much, uh, more, uh, <clears throat> much more cost-effective, that gives you much better advice than an employer going to an insurance agent that sells you a policy and everything is put on automatic pilot controlled by the PBM. So if you remove the PBM and you work direct, it's astonishing at how much can be improved. And the other part of it is the thing that puzzles me is how many independent pharmacies I run into whereby they are providing a health insurance benefit to their staff with a bundled or packaged Blue Cross United Healthcare or Aetna plan. And um, all they're doing is um, buying their, their own inventory back from an insurance carrier at a higher premium when their employees use that insurance card in their store to, to buy uh, whatever prescriptions are necessary. So you get the middlemen out of the way, Todd, and it is astonishing what you can do. And the same thing's true on, a, on the medical side. That's what we've been doing. That's terrific. I know that there are several states. The state of Ohio did a very deep dive and audit. Tony um, Antonio uh, Chacha has been a big part of that uh, in their uh, consultancy team that has really dug into the data the Alliance for Transparent and Affordable Prescriptions, ATAP, uh, re reacted today, reacted to a, a report issued by the uh, Texas Department of Insurance, which really dug into uh, claims from med the Medicaid system to find a tremendous amount of PBM profit. What's been very frustrating to me as the onion has been peeled back on the PBM industry is we're finding more and more profit um, purposely uh, placed ahead of the patient's needs and ahead of the uh, pharmacist uh, that, that is that is it's their job to ensure the safety of the communities that they serve it's also their job to ensure uh, other things outside of the actual medication how these medications are interacting with other conditions other allergies other drugs that they that the patients may be taking if they're comorbid if they're affected by other disease states. And the PBMs, the three largest, which control over 80% of the entire spend throughout the country, are profiting over patients. They're profiting over care. That's the part, I don't have any problem with profit. I'm a capitalist. But I absolutely take a hard stop when we know that it's, it's tremendously lopsided in a way that I've never seen any other model in, in my uh, short 48 years on earth of, of the fleecing of Medicaid systems, Medicare systems, Medicare Part D systems, 
and the, on the backs of these uh, community independents that are being drove out of business. Uh, someone who I've known for about five years, um, who is the president and founder of Gaddy Pharmacy in Indiana, Pennsylvania, is closing uh, her doors on June 30th. Um, and, and it's been for um, quite some time in being in business. And it's once again, because of the way the payment model. So now an independent is not available to the Indiana, Pennsylvania community um, that she served uh, thousands and thousands of patients over the years. This just disturbs me, Howard, because it's something that must be broke. We have to get between the lobbyists and PCMA and the, and the, the Congress and the people that make decisions to be able to dig in and understand that it's not in the best interest of that taxpayer paying into these uh, systems to ensure that people that are underserved from a financial perspective, uh, underserved from a healthcare perspective that can't afford medications, uh, that we're not having these massive profits on the back end of these games and these uh, shell, um, uh, you know, see this, not, not see this algorithms that these extremely intelligent organizations have put together solely for the profit of the entity, not for the patient. So that's the part of all of this, uh, Howard, that bothers me the most. Well, there, there, there are uh, pathways to be able to neutralize a portion of this, and, uh, but they're not being used. Uh, the, the pathway, the initial pathway, is at the local level uh, in the employer community and the independent pharmacy community. And neither one are, are really, you know, being uh, very proactive or even um, adaptable enough to interface with each other to be able to understand what's going on. Now, uh, <clears throat> specifically, um, from what I understand, Todd, there are about 22,000 independent pharmacies in the country right now. And um, what we have uh, advocated and what we have done with pharmacies that uh, are forward thinking and are proactive is work with them to be able to be uh, introduced through them to employers willing to listen uh, an opportunity to show them how to use the insurance system, meaning there are insurance resources, whereby that employer can now retain control of what heretofore had been premium owned by the insurance carrier to pay for the prescription utilization on a direct basis. If they can afford to buy those uh, prescriptions with a premium, that adds a, a minimum of 40% or more to each prescription at a 10% inflation rate because premium goes up every year, they absolutely could afford to buy it direct. Now, <clears throat> if every one of those pharmacies took just three local employers away from the PBM, meaning away from the control of the Blue Crosses, United Healthcares, et cetera, you've removed 66,000 employers away from the uh, control of these PBMs. You start there. Everybody's trying to solve the problem from the top down, from Congress to state legislators on down, to, to associations on down. It's got to start at the uh, grassroots level. And the, the, the uh, general uh, uh, community in the employer area, and now where you're talking about Medicare and Medicaid, 
Nobody understands this, but the pharmacists do, and they're not doing a very good job educating the public by showing them this is what we're getting paid for this drug, and this is what your plan is being uh, uh, charged for this drug. And if I, uh, I, I have a, a news article from a newspaper in Ottumwa, Iowa, where the local pharmacist who was vigilant you know, saw that he was getting $5 and change for a generic drug that the plan that the county that he was in had was being charged $190 by CVS Caremark, you know, um, <clears throat> for the same drug. So if he sold that drug directly to the county for $30, he makes more money and the county reduced their cost by 85%. If, you know, these are the things that, that uh, uh, need to be shown in black and white in simple understandable language to an employer and if that employer thinks it's still a value to pay that kind of a spread for the prescriptions because they call it insurance or their broker told them that versus working with a pharmacy professional you can't help those people but there's a segment out there that you can help and it's got to start at the grassroots level because it's a futile exercise to try to do it from the top down yeah, what really compounds the stronghold of the PBMs is that control that they have to keep the employers, to keep the people, the uh, the payers, the, empl the employees in their network. Uh, they're making all the rules. The rules are, are not equitable across the board. They're certainly not fair. Uh, the community pharmacy, they they have that established relationship with their community. Some of those uh patrons, some of those customers and clients are forced to go use a different pharmacy based on the rules. And the worst part of this entire uh, crazy game is the largest PBM owns one of the largest pharmacy chains in the nation, which they are encouraging the payment entity to push all of their uh, covered lives to one of their owned pharmacies. That of all of the things to do in reform, the gag clause was beat where it told the, phar the pharmacist wasn't allowed to tell the patient if they had a lower price. So that's been taken away. But the number one change in PBM reform is the government has to say, if you own a PBM, if you operate a PBM, you are under no circumstance allowed to have shares or any ownership whatsoever in a pharmacy because that is a conflict of interest. That is absolute insanity that we have uh, insurance providers making up rules and making up algorithms to ensure that the business is pushed back to their owned um, uh, pharmacies. And, and that is an, an absolute travesty. In the interim, I think what you're telling the owners to do, the community owners, whether you own a long-term care pharmacy, a specialty pharmacy, or a community retail environment is to start approaching some of the community uh, business owners to let them know there's another way and to contract differently in covering those lives, realizing that it's gonna save everyone money, including keeping the money within the community. So would you be able to kind of expand upon uh, those ideas under what you're doing um, in, in your own communities? And by the way, you're in the great state of Missouri um, how many different communities and or states have you have you participated uh, in in really changing the game? Uh, we have uh, clients in about 14 states right now, uh, and uh, we're getting inquiries uh, from from many more. And um, 
there's there's no reason why this can't be done um, just about everywhere. Now, some states uh, have some very, very restrictive uh, uh, laws on uh, the type of insurance that is available, which makes it a little bit more difficult uh, because everything revolves around being able to uh, have an insurance uh, resource that protects against a major unforeseen event that is structured in a way to give the employer, uh, you know, control. And whoever controls the cash controls the system. So it's a simple, uh, a simple process of unwinding that control. And, <clears throat> and it's an easy thing to do if an employer is willing to listen. And that's the biggest hurdle, Todd. The biggest hurdle is to get somebody to listen. And employers uh, are complaining bitterly about escalating costs uh, but yet, the health insurance premium and the manner in which we pay for things is the least evaluated, least understood, and most times the, the, the decision makers spend the least time uh, evaluating really what's happening to them, and they pass it off to middle-level management in the form of HR people or uh, a consultant and so on, and they all are following you know, the same script, and that's got to change. Now, the pharmacy really can be the foundation for changing this whole uh, this whole paradigm and it, it's really in in their hands so the way we've gone about doing it is uh is is very very simple <clears throat> first of all uh you have to have a pharmacy oper operator who's willing to sell his services to the local community and willing to uh, open the door to employers that are willing to listen. We help them do that, and we help provide information by which they can uh, plant a seed of interest. And then once that door is open, then uh, it's our responsibility behind that, uh, that door to do all of the necessary uh, uh, work to bring the medical, the insurance, and the administrative side together with this, and then connect the local employer uh, you know, uh, to boot. So. Here's an example. <clears throat> uh, this started in a, it, it, and this works really well in uh, rural communities. You mentioned Indiana, Pennsylvania. That's a perfect uh, a market for something like this. Uh, this started with us getting a pharmacy uh, um, employer as a client. They had 13, it's a small employer, they had 13 employees. And um, his premium eight years ago was $100,000 a year with Blue Cross. So I took a look at what they were doing, and, it, and it, it, it struck me immediately. Prime Therapeutics was the PBM, and uh, I pointed out to them, I said, look, every time one of your employees uses your Blue Cross card in your store, you're getting underpaid for that prescription by Prime Therapeutics. Your plan is being overcharged by Prime Therapeutics to what they're charging Blue Cross, and then Blue Cross marks it up again to make their margin, and they sell it back to you when the cost of your benefit for pharmacy should be what it costs you to put on the shelf. Your premium goes up 10% a year. All your prescriptions don't go up that sit while they're sitting on the shelf 10% on your anniversary date. Get them out of the way. So here it is uh, eight years later. They were paying $100,000 eight years ago. Their budget for benefits today, eight years later, is 110000 Same benefits. We have many employers where we set their budget to where their premium uh, was at the time. Benefits remain the same, and um, 
their budget is the same today as their premium was uh, over five years ago when they're sitting on six-figure surpluses. Well, when we saw what happened, then it struck me, well, this pharmacist should be selling his services to the local community. Well, he introduced us, he started to introduce us to, to some of the employers in their community. This is a rural community of six, population 6,000, about an hour and a half south, uh, uh, southeast of St. Louis, and sitting there, you know, by themselves. Well, they connected us to uh, some, some employers, a tire wholesaler with about 50 employees, a manufacturer with about 70 employees, a, a security firm with about 30 employees, plus their dependents. All three of them connected with the, with the pharmacy. All three of them are still connected to the pharmacy. And all three of them have budgets for benefits today that haven't changed since we started with them over five years ago. Now, the pharmacist there took three employers away from Blue Cross. We just did the same thing for a city and a county with a pharmacy in, out in, in a, a rural community in Missouri and in Kentucky, et cetera. But those people wouldn't have known us if we tried to walk in there on our own. But they got to know us because the pharmacist showed them, this is what we're getting paid. This is what you're getting charged. Why don't you sit down and talk with us and we'll show you how to change this. And that's our job to do that. And, and it works. And that's good to hear. Um, I, I'd like to encourage uh, community pharmacy owners to um, reach out to you with questions about how to do that in their own communities. Is this based on a specific um, uh, switching service or an, uh, uh, a PBM that's assisting or, or how does it actually work? Yes. Uh, first of all, the, the key is, is this. Um, <clears throat> There are four components to a premium that's bundled that the employer doesn't see. Uh, you have the cost of insurance, of course, that protects to get against a major event, but that's only as a fraction of the total premium an employer is paying. You have the cost of administration. That's only a fraction of the total premium an employer is paying. But then the rest of it is what's known as a claims reserve or claims fund. And, the, and, and when, the, employ, when the, the carriers own that money, Todd, they own your medical life. They own your, your, your uh, um, business life if you're dependent upon them to dictate what you're going to get paid for what service you provide. And you see, one thing that uh, um, also, when you, you mentioned it, it shouldn't be appropriate for a PBM to own a retail store, every PBM does. It's called mail order. Your pharmacies are starting to, co to compete with mail order now. Now that the, uh, I shouldn't say now, but more than ever before, you have these, these main carriers that now took ownership of PBMs in, in intra-company. You know, uh, Anthem Blue Cross created their own in Genio. CVS Caremark connected to Aetna. Cigna bought Express Scripts and so on. United Healthcare owns Optum. And they're the retailer anyway. They don't have to have the retail stores. All they have to have is control of the money, and they say if you're taking maintenance drugs, you either buy it through mail order or you're on your own. And that trend is, is, is going to get worse and worse. So it's a lot less expensive, a lot more expedient, and a lot more effective to take the business away from them on a local level like I'm talking about. You can flip a switch and do that if people will listen. And I'm telling you, it does work, and I'm telling you that these guys can accomplish this if they want to. We can help them. 
that in uh, these efforts in in addition to the reform that's taking place in the different states throughout uh, the country is is a way to actually turn this. But I agree with you that we can't do it uh, from a legal perspective or law perspective alone because it's really going to take a, a quite some time, I believe, to get it done on a national level. And there are, there are states that have had some victories. Um, Pennsylvania is proposing a PBM law that, uh, in fact, will... Um, will drive the 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 owner of a pharmacy outside of the PBM, and and that law would be uh, pretty pretty significant. But it's it's still a ways off. I think that's um, Senate Bill Seven Eight Nine, which would forbid a PBM from owning uh, pharmacies. Which, like I said, that would be a, a terrific change. But in the interim you know, why allow your pharmacy to continue to suffer from a financial perspective where you can't pay the bills? And like Gaddy Pharmacy uh, out of Indiana, Pennsylvania had to close, uh, don't let that happen to you. Be proactive. Uh, gather some of your pharmacy student interns. Uh, gather uh, pharmacists who want to do a residency. Build a residency through many of the organizations that are ready to help you with that, including the Pharmacy Podcast Network, including the concierge pharmacist with Ken Sternfeld and what he's doing. We can uh, train these uh, resident-like uh, pharmacy students and or pharmacists to go out in the community and actually talk with employers about better health that has much more to do than just the payment uh, models. But I think that there's ways to get this done without, uh, without it being another a backbreaker of the community pharmacy owner. Um, you know, it's it's exciting to hear that you're in this fight, um, which is terrific. Um, how long has ECCHIC been in in business? And and uh, kind of tell us a little bit about the victories that you've that you've assisted with community pharmacies. Oh, I'd be happy to. By the way, you, uh, um, I don't know if you're aware, but the state of West Virginia. Uh, had eliminated the PBMs and had taken their their pharmacy uh, directly, you know, uh, to in-state pharmacies on a cost-plus basis. And the first year, a couple of years ago, they saved fifty-four million dollars. Um, Caterpillar Tractor uh, is one of the leading co companies that did this some years ago. They were written up in uh, um, <clears throat> uh, Business Week about doing that, and they were saving tens of millions of dollars a year. So if a company like that can do it, a small employer can do it. They're just not being shown how to do it by insurance representatives who have commissions built into every prescription sold. Now, uh, ETHIC stands for Employers Committed to Control Health Insurance Cost. Uh, the short uh, acronym is ETHIC. And uh, in its current form, uh, it dates back to the early 2000s. Uh, actually, I have been advocating this and doing this before I actually formed ETHIC as an entity uh, going back to the 90s, and that uh, is resulting from my uh, uh, deciding to offer the, uh, the ability for employers to do what I did for myself some years ago. Uh, some of the, th you know, some of the, the uh, experiences we've had, um, every pharmacy that we restructured regardless of size, has improved their cost intra-store. Uh, wherever um, <clears throat> uh, possible, and when I say possible, meaning having a willing far employer, 
to talk to a willing pharmacist. Uh, just recently, uh, we connected a city and a county directly to a pharmacy in um, outstate Missouri. Um, that particular pharmacist with 27 employees who was paying $300,000 a year at a Blue Cross with uh, his employees in dependence um, four years ago, and his premium was going up 10%. Well, the first year, his costs dropped to 260 some odd thousand dollars. Uh, the second year, it dropped even further to 220, and this past year, it was right around 220 again. Now, the reason why it dropped is because his claims dropped. But when you have everything bundled with premium, if your claims drop, your premium doesn't. So that elasticity is absolutely key. Let's take a small pharmacy in um, <clears throat> uh, a rural community in uh, Kentucky. Well, uh, first year, um, we just completed it. His uh, our costs were running around $14,000 a month. And uh, that 14000 a month translates to about $170,000 a year. Uh, same benefits cost him, by getting a middleman out of the way, just a shade over 10000 a month. And that means then that in the first year, he's uh, uh, banked close to $40,000 against a premium that he had been paying uh, without the increase that he was facing on top of that. So the real savings was closer to 50 or 60. Well, what would he have to generate in revenue to net that back to his bottom line? Um, I will tell you, this isn't easy. It, you know, it, it sounds like a no brainer and it is, but it isn't easy to get people to listen. Number one, cause I keep hammering that point home and it isn't easy, you know, to, um, break the mindset that has been ingrained in their, uh, uh, in their viewpoint by the marketing of the insurance system that has been masterful in literally brainwashing a nation into believing they're buying insurance for things that uh, are regular monthly expenses. It's impossible to spend more if you remove the middlemen, and it's impossible to find an insurance company to charge you less to buy a product that they know you're going to be buying every month anyway. It, it, none of that connects. So we have to become more critical in our thinking and our analysis. There's a, uh, a child care organization that uh, helps troubled youth up in Sharon, Pennsylvania, called George Junior Republic. And I went up there um, about, it's been, it's been a while, seven, maybe 10 years ago, helped to do a proposal for PBM change, uh, pharmacy benefits change, and we showed of a, over a three-year period a $750,000 savings on that plan. They were very excited about the contract, and we thought based on their feedback that they were going to sign with the independently owned uh, PBM and start working with independent pharmacies within the Sharon, Pennsylvania area. We received a call from them three months later that they were still going with Express Scripts and that Express Scripts had executed a $1 million rebate back to them for signing a brand new uh, three-year contract. That, Howard, is insanity because all they were doing was giving their money back to them. It was like they got to hold it for three years. Well, yeah, so they gave some of their money back, and uh, I guarantee you, Todd, they're going to recover that money in less than a year and a half with the overcharges they're still going to experience, if it even takes them that long. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're going to have to have you back on a program when we start uh, interviewing independently owned pharmacies that you have helped. We'd like to uh, start reaching out to some of those um, pharmacies to really dig into some of their victories so that we can repeat this over and over again throughout the country. Uh, be sure to um, connect with us listeners, ask questions of us, look in the show notes to reach out to Howard. His confirmation, uh, com- contact information will be in there. In wrapping up, uh, Howard, is there anything you want to leave us with? Well, uh, you know, certainly. Uh, by the way, my son is a pharmacist, an independent pharmacist in Cleveland. So I have a vested interest in seeing to it that that remains a viable industry. Um, so, but that wasn't the motivating factor. Yeah, um, the the uh, opportunity to neutralize the PBM uh, um, the, the PBM control uh, does exist. Now we can't help you immediately with the Medicare Medicaid programs, but uh, certainly you can start with the privately sponsored, employer sponsored uh, plans. And, uh, you know, please reach out to us if you're looking for help. And I can't thank Todd enough for allowing us to share our ideas with you. And uh, we're more than happy to uh, uh, share our ideas in depth with anybody that uh, might have some interest in finding out what they can do and uh, how to go about doing it and how quickly it could occur. I appreciate that, Howard, and appreciate your insights. Uh, You were listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of PBM reform and where we're at with that, the PBM reform podcast series. Uh, Be on the lookout for additional episodes from the Truth RX team, Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. Um, We are excited to be partnered with them. And um, Howard, thank you so much for your insights today. Well, thank you, Todd, and uh, thank you very much for reaching out to us. And uh, we're, we're putting some ideas and thoughts up on LinkedIn uh, with regularity, and uh, some of those comments might uh, strike a responsive chord once in a while. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thank you so much, pharmacists. You are the hub of healthcare, and the Pharmacy Podcast Network is your number one fan. Please reach out to us at 412-585-4001. That's 412-585-4001. And help us to help you be a, a better, more effective pharmacist in any way that we can. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast.